You're listening to the Bay Christian Family Church Podcast. Praise God as you see that open your Bible at John chapter 13. Praise God. John chapter 13, verse 1. Now, before the feast of the Passover, when Jesus knew that his hour had come, that he should depart from this world to the Father, having loved his own who were in the world, he loved them to the end. And supper, the last supper being ended, the devil having already put into the heart of Judas Iscariot, Simon's son, to betray him, Jesus, knowing that the Father had given all things into his hands, and that he had come from God and was going to God, rose from supper, and he laid aside his garments, took a towel, and girded himself. And after that, he poured water into a basin and began to wash the disciples' feet. What did he do? And to wipe them with a towel with which he was girded. And then he came to Simon Peter, and Peter said to him, Lord, are you washing my feet? And Jesus answered and said to him, What I am doing you do not understand now, but you will know after this. Peter said to him, You will never wash my feet. Jesus answered him and said, If I do not wash you, you have no part with me. Simon Peter said to him, Lord, not my feet only, but also my hands and my head. And Jesus said to him, He who is bathed needs only to wash his feet, but is completely clean. You are clean, but not all of you. For he knew who would betray him. And therefore he said, you're not all clean. And so when he had washed their feet, he'd taken his garments and sat down again. He said to him, do you know what I've done to you? You call me teacher and Lord. And you say, well, for so I am. I then, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet. You also ought to wash one another's feet. For I've given you an example that you should do as I have done to you. Most assuredly, I say to you, a servant is not greater than his master, nor is he who is sent greater than he who sent him. If you know these things, blessed are you if you do them. Blessed are you if you do them. Everybody say, blessed. I taught our staff at our recent staff meeting a message. And as I was teaching it, I really sensed, as the Lord had led me to teach our staff about it, but I realize this is not just a staff message. It's for the entire body of Christ. And so the Lord really moved in my heart that I need to teach this message today as well. And wherever I go. Because it's such a vital key in the kingdom of God. And here's an account of where Jesus is meeting with his disciples. And he has this example of washing feet. And you know... It's interesting that 
when it says there, what you do, you see me doing, I'm washing your feet, then we should all do that. And so I thought we'll bring out all the basins today. <laughs> no. What is Jesus saying here? Because you may have noticed we're not always physically washing feet with a basin. So what, what, is that, what is it that Jesus is bringing across here? Something that's interesting, he says here to Peter, he says, I don't need to wash your whole body. Peter's saying, you know, if you're going to wash my feet, don't wash my feet, then just go ahead and wash my whole body. And Jesus says, no, I don't need to wash you. So that's very important that you must understand when Jesus does anything, it is with a spiritual issue. He, he always works through types and shadows. And it's important to know that so that you can correctly apply the word. Because I've had somebody come to me and they came with a basin and a towel and they said, Pastor Alan, do you mind if I wash your feet? And I said, I did shower today. So my feet are okay. They don't need to be washed. Now, I understand where they're coming from, and I'm going to deal with that. I'm going to show you something, because notice he said, yeah, you are all clean. So I don't need to wash you. If you're clean, you don't need to be washed. But he said, there is someone here yeah, that's not clean. Now, how do you understand? He's not talking about whether Judas had a shower or not. He's dealing with a heart issue. And as we know, the account is that Judas was going to betray Jesus right after that Last Supper. But Jesus already knew about it, and he knew who it was. And so he brought it up at supper time, and he said, this is what's going to happen. One of you is going to betray me. And of course, they all looking at each other like, who would even think of that? Who would do such a thing? I mean, think of the people that you're loyal to today. Imagine one of them looked at you and said, you're going to turn against me. It's like, what? I've had people, you know, come to me and say, we'll never leave this church. We're part of the furniture, was the one, one person said. We're part of the furniture. Well, someone came and removed the furniture, and I don't know where that piece of furniture is anymore. So how you realize that the enemy can still get to the heart of the person. And that's what happened. The enemy had got to the heart of Judas, and Jesus was saying, I know who it is. And all the disciples are wondering, who is it? And then he does something interesting now. We realize there's different accounts in some of the Gospels, and this is just a side issue to help you understand the Bible, because some of those people say there's contradictions in the Bible because this guy says this and this one says it that way. How many of you know when there's an accident or, or something happens or, a, or you, you, you witness somebody attacking somebody or a robbery or whatever, and the police, what do they do? They interview everyone that was there. Why? Because they know one person only saw it from their perspective. Someone may have been looking down, something happened, and they look up, and they see the last bit of it. But someone else saw the first part, and someone else saw it from behind. And everyone has their own story. So much so that you can get, even people got genders wrong, the race of the person wrong, the height of the person wrong. It, it's, it's just because in that moment, and that adrenaline moment, whatever you're watching, whatever you've seen, and also when you give a testimony, you're giving it from your perspective. How many times have people told you what someone says and then they use a certain tone of voice and you realize, no, the person doesn't talk like that. That's more your tone of voice at that moment. That's your feeling of what you thought they were feeling when they said it. 
You're getting what I'm saying here. So we understand that different witnesses put things through differently. And so when you look at an account, you've got to kind of take, like when you've got the different disciples explaining a situation, one may have been looking from the back of the auditorium, the other one was from the front. And so you put them together and you kind of paint a picture. So there's different ways that was happening. Yeah, Jesus mentioned to uh, Judas is that one of the disciples, the way it's written in one of the Gospels, is that the one that I dip in the bowl with. That's the person who did it. The other one says the one I give the bread to. That's the one who's going to do it. Now, you know, whether he gave it to him, whether they dipped together and then he gave it to him, you know, you understand what I'm saying? The point is, he gave him, he ate, he dipped, he did something. You understand? He was pointed out. Now, the point I'm making is that, listen, if it was me, and Jesus said, the one I give the bread to, I'm going to go sit on the other side of the table because I'm not going to be near that man when it happens. Come on. And, and even if I, I try to get up and go down, the, and Jesus said, sit down. You, you stay where you are. You're sitting here by me. Well, then from that moment, I'm watching him the whole time. I've got my eyes on his hands. And if he goes towards the bowl, I'm not going near the bowl. If I'm going to go dip and he's coming up, my hand's gone. I'm, you, you go ahead and dip. I am not dipping with you. Not tonight. Come on, how do you understand what I'm saying? So how did Judas land up with a piece of bread in his hand that Jesus had dipped and given to him? How, how did that happen? There's only two reasons that I can think of. One, he did not keep his eyes on Jesus. Number two, he did not listen to what Jesus was saying. Jesus talks all the time. And he's talking and he's telling this story and that story. And Judah's heart had been captured and got to a point when Jesus spoke, all he heard was, and someone, and then they go, and then they because I've heard these stories all before. I've heard him tell that parable many times. I've heard him teach this lesson many times. Mark, what do you think? And John, where were you today? And he had lost concentration that when Jesus speaks, I stopped to listen. What is he saying? This is important. Who's going to betray you? Let me focus. But you see, his heart was so deceived, he didn't even pick up that someone was going to betray him, even though he knew it was him. You see, he didn't betray him after that. He had already been exposed. He'd already made that decision. So number one, he didn't hear what Jesus was saying. And then number two, from that moment on, he didn't focus because I would have kept my eyes on Jesus. Family, never lose sight of listening to the word. I don't care how well you know the word and how often you hear your teacher teach you in a certain way. Never lose sight. There's something that can be said that will change your life in a moment. And then be attentive and be focusing on what was being said. And so in that moment, Jesus is saying, now here's an issue I need to expose. And so he gets out this bowl to wash their feet. 
Now, what was going on with that? Well, if you do a study, you'll find out the custom of the day was that, of course, you understand the streets were not nicely tarred and bricked like we have today. They were dusty roads and, you know, there would be all kinds of water and animal mess as well on the streets. And they just wore sandals. And, of course, all of that got into their feet and their toes. You understand what I'm saying without getting too technical. So their feet would be a mess. And so even though they had cleaned, bathed and showered or whatever, when they went to someone's house, what should have happened if you're invited to come to someone's house as a good host, you will make sure that as they come in, someone's waiting at the door to wash their feet when they come in. Now that job, because of the, the, the type of job that it is, was usually given to the lowest servant of the day. The, this, this was the person that didn't, you, you didn't consider much, they were paid the least. You, you understand what I'm saying? So they were asked to clean everybody's feet. Now, that day they arrived, and it was not done. There was nobody waiting at the door. So Jesus and all the disciples came in, and they were eating, and Jesus realized that no one had given attention. Because how do you realize sometimes we can get so busy that what seems like a menial task becomes so significant that we forget about it. And yet for Jesus, every detail is important. And he says it's not just about washing a feet. It's about did you think about something? Something was supposed to be done and it wasn't done. But notice his attitude. He doesn't turn around and say, where's the servant to wash the feet? Even though it was the lowest servant's job, the fact that it wasn't done, he gave a lot of opportunity for anybody, anybody that day, any of the servants, any of the disciples, the host themselves, who anybody could have done it. So he gave them ample opportunity. And when he saw nobody is moving, he steps in and says, I'm going to do it. And he chooses to do this task. So when he offers to do, he says, now I'm going to do it. So you notice Peter's reaction. Why do you think he said, you'll never wash my feet? Because he says, I see you more important than that. If I let you wash my feet, then I'm considering you less than me. So his first reaction when he says, don't, no, you're not going to wash my feet, is because he understands the custom and he wants to, again, Peter being Peter, let Jesus know, you're important. You're going to deny me three times. Never, not me, not ever. No, three times before the cock crows. So Peter wants Jesus to know he supports him, he loves him. And so when Jesus says, well, if you don't let me wash your feet, then we don't have any more relationship. So he says, okay, go ahead and wash the whole of me. I mean, that, that's just Peter. Let's go flip and then flip to the other side. Just excess either this side or excess that side. That, uh, that's, you know, we can say what we want about Peter. But one thing I love about him is that he was all out. If he, wanted, if he believes something, I'm going to do it. I don't care what people think or say. I'm just radical. So he was radical Pete. Amen. And so now he says, go ahead and wash the Jesus like, no, no, Peter, 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 don't miss what I'm trying to get through here. I'm not even talking about washing your feet. It was the illustration to get my point across. 
So now you understand why. Yes, I understand people who want to reflect humility. They say, can I wash your feet? And yes, it's a very humbling experience. But if the feet are clean, you don't need to clean them. What's Jesus saying? I noticed something was missing. Something that was not being done. So I stepped in to do it. And you thought, I'm too important to do the job. Then you don't understand my kingdom. Because my kingdom is not about hierarchy. Yes, some people appear to be in charge of another. But that doesn't make them more important. It's a different responsibility. You have to have someone as a ruler of thousands. You have to have someone as a ruler of hundreds. But that ruler is not a dictator. It's not someone out of import or that they, you understand. It's not that one is more important than the other. And yes, the king of kings, the lord of lords, the author of the word, says I'm not important. So important that I get to tell somebody else, come wash my feet. If it's not been done, I'll do it. If I see something's not being done, I'll step into it and I'll do it. And how many you know, no one was going to pay him for that job that day. It wasn't about the salary. It wasn't about what's going to pay me. It wasn't about anyone going to recognize me. There's no award for the the what's Feet washer. There's no appreciation certificate at the end of the year. He just did it because it needed to be done. Family of God, how many of you recognize that you and I have so much to be grateful for? The Bible talks about us being taken out of the miry clay. We were lost. We were headed for hell. We were in a filthy state. And Jesus reached into that mud. He called us. He took us out. And with his blood cleansed us of all unrighteousness. And made us the righteousness of God. How do you appreciate what he has done? And so when you have a look at Romans chapter 12. The scripture we read last week was verse 2. I'm going to go there first because I'm actually going to read verse 1. But just to remind you, verse 2, it says, And do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed. How? By the renewing of your mind that you may prove what is the good and acceptable and perfect will of God. How do you want to go from the good will of God? In other words, you're saved, you're going to heaven. That's God's will for you. But then you want to land up in the acceptable will of the God, which is where you're taking the word and you're applying it in your life. And you're living the life as you do. In other words, you've been made righteousness. You've been made righteous by faith. But now you're going to live righteous. That's the acceptable will. But how do you want to step into the perfect will of God? What's the perfect will? It's the will of God for you. For you as an individual. In other words, the acceptable will is for every Christian. We all have the word and we're all going to live by the word. But then you step into the perfect will is where God specifically called you. For example, he called Janine and me to come plant the church here in Cape Town. And so by us doing that, we're living out the 
perfect will of God. How do we get to that place? Notice he said, and. And. So in other words, verse 2 follows from verse 1. Verse 1 says, I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice. Jesus has done all the dying that needs to be done. No one needs to die for their sin anymore, ever again. No one has to suffer for anything they've done ever again. Jesus bore every shame. He took every sickness and disease. He became poor on your behalf. He was literally made the curse so that you might receive the blessing. God's full provision, protection, His health, His healing, and His life is yours today. And as a result of us being that living sacrifice, holy, acceptable to God, which is your reasonable service. Reasonable service. Everybody say reasonable service. Now what is the reasonable service? That word reasonable is the Strong's number 3050. It is the word logikos. Now I'm not Greek. I'm just reading it as it is. So Greek people, please excuse me. But I can read a dictionary. Logikos. Logikos. Now, you'll notice the word, its root is logos, which is the word. It's also a root to the word we call logic. Everybody say logic. Logic is a movement that happens in the mind. It is a mind issue. That's why it goes to verse 2. Don't be conformed, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Is referring yet to something that's logical. Okay? The, the word logikos means rational, logical, reasonable. That's where the New King James writes reasonable there. Of the word pertaining to the reason or logic. So let's read the verse with that in mind. I beseech you, brethren, present your bodies a living sacrifice, which is the logical thing to do. What's that mean? If you're saved, I don't have to ask you. It's obvious. Come on, you've got to get a hold of this. You see, I wasn't saved to come sit in the church building every Sunday. That's not why God saved you. He didn't save you to come sit in a chair, sing some songs, give some money, listen to a message, and go home. That's not why you saved. You've been saved into the kingdom of God for service. You've been born again to give your life. In other words, whatever God needs to do on the earth, He can only do it, He's chosen to only do it through a human. If you've ever been saved, you've heard the word preached from the mouth of a man or woman. If you ever received something from God, it came through the hands of somebody. If you've ever experienced healing, it, was, it came through either a word spoken by somebody or hands laid on by somebody. God always moves through people. And you and I are called to be the body of Christ, not those that just sit at a table to eat and expect everybody else to clean my feet. 
are being called to look for what's not being done. And if it's not being done, I give my service. And so often because of the world that we live in, if you want me to do something, you have to pay me. Why wasn't that done? It's not my job spec. How come you're not doing it anymore? No one ever thanked me. It's not for a human to thank you. It's not for me to pay you. It's not for me to beg anybody to do it. If you're born again and you love God, the logical thing to do is to serve. Come on, give Jesus praise. It's, it's the done thing. It's the obvious thing. You see people around you, since the day we opened the door, are still serving. Since 1994, they're still on point serving. How come you're still here? How come you're still so faithful? How come you, no one ever appreciates you? No one ever thanks you? No one is, how come you're still here? It's what Christians do. My Jesus died on a cross and blood running in his entire body emptied of blood became a curse, went to hell for me. How can I say anything that I do is a sacrifice compared to what he did? Oh, he sacrificed his life for the church. No, I didn't. Jesus did. He paid the price. And I don't care what I do, how hard I work, doesn't matter how much I put in, it will never even become a fraction of what he did for me. So I'm not working to pay him back. I'm not working to make an impression. I'm not working to think, get your thanks and appreciation. I'm not working to try and get any name out of this. Anybody that understands the kingdom of God and is saved will give their life and they will serve Jesus and they will do it diligently even if no one even sees them. I'm not doing it for fame or fortune. I'm not doing it for recognition. I'm doing it because it's what Christians do. We give our lives to serve Him. Say amen. amen. Look at verse 1 from the Message Bible. Romans 12 verse 1, Message. So here's what I want you to do. God helping you. Take your everyday, ordinary life. Your sleeping, eating, going to work, and walking around life. And place it before God as an offering. Place it before God as an offering. Ephesians chapter 4 verse 7 says, But to each one of us grace was given according to the measure of Christ's gift. Family, every one of us. You may have noticed you got certain skills and talents. Now you can take that skill and talent... And you can turn it into a business. And you can make money from it. And there's nothing wrong with doing that. God gives you power to get wealth. 
But that gift wasn't just to put food on your table. It was to serve the kingdom of God. If somebody's skillful in building, it's to build the house of God. If someone's skillful in serving, it's to serve the house of God. If someone's skillful at hospitality, it's to show that gift up. In other words, whatever God put into your life, yes, you can use it outside to make money, but never get to a place where that's what the only thing you're using God's gift for. But when it comes to church, someone asks us to do something, we say, I'm already so busy. No, the gift was put in you for the house of God first. Seek first the kingdom of God and His righteousness, and then all these other things will be added. So really, the skill that we have within us is, first of all, to serve the kingdom of God. Who's going to pay me for that? The Lord. Make sure that He always looks after you and He always provides for you. When I've given my life to serve God, it's the same as when I return the tithe. The windows of heaven open, and I'm blessed, and my field always produces. The 90% goes much further and produces even more because I honored God first. When you bring the first fruit, the household is blessed. When I bring the gift and talent that I can make millions in the world with, And I serve the house of God with it. Then when I go outside, that will multiply and become even more effective. And so family God, I really want to invite each and every person to re-look at our lives. This is not to bring any condemnation. It's to bring the life of God's word. You see, verse 11, God himself gave some to be apostles, some prophets, some evangelists, some pastors and teachers for the equipping of the saints for the work of ministry. See, each one of us are called to a work in the ministry. For the edifying of the body of Christ, that we all come to the unity of the faith, the knowledge of the Son of God, a perfect man, the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. Down to verse 15, speaking the truth in love, we grow up in all things into him who is the head Christ from whom the whole body joined in the together, by which every joint supplies according to the effective working, by which every part does its share, causes growth in the body for the edifying of itself in love. Amen. Maybe this is the first time you're hearing a message like this and say, where can I serve? And so today, Janine and I want to honor all of those that have faithfully served this last year. And you've given your time, talents, uh, family time, your abilities, put so much in. And I know many, many of you in all of our campuses across Cape Town, wherever you're serving, many times you serve. No one ever sees it. There's times when you have to do something on your own, but you did it. And as a result, the kingdom of God could continue to grow and increase. The word could be preached. And souls could be saved. Somebody gets saved today because someone opened the door. Because someone made sure the floor was clean. The chairs were packed right. The sound was good. The television cameras are working. The children are looked after. There's so much happening. And we see it all. And we want to say thank you. We appreciate you. And so for those that haven't yet been able to serve, And you say, where can you use me? I'm just going to read the list. This is given to us. This is our 
iServe, we've got these various teams. We call it iServe. As in other words, I serve. Each one of us serve. And you can just listen out. And if any of these tweaks your attention, then please get hold of your past and say, I, I want to be a part of that. But we've got somewhere we can use you. For example, here's just a very quick list. It is our, in our administration departments. That's Ireland Shepherd School of Ministry, the bookshop, pastoral, or admin. We have our armor bearers, the Bible College Shepherd School of Ministry. We always need helpers, not just the people that are on staff. And there's the campus events, campus Sundays, setup teams, the cell and team leaders, kingdom kids, looking after our children, the mail run, media, that's television, camera, lights. Maybe you're interested in camera work. You say, but I've never used a camera. We train you. Whatever we do, you just have to show up. We're not going to say, you're not qualified. We will qualify. If you want to do something and it's in you, you want to do it, we will qualify you. We've trained sound men. We've trained cameramen. We've trained all that's, all the, all that's needed is trained. We now various outreach pointsmen. We have a great prison ministry that's operational security, social media, sound, the tech, that's our live link, all the various campuses. We got them online right now across Cape Town. They're watching with us. Yeah. And that, that's because of a great volunteer team making sure that happens. Our usher team, the welcome teams, the outside greeters, our welfare department, skills development, our worship team, and youth leaders. Family of God, can you see there's so many different ways that you can be involved? And so we just want to say thank you. And so if you have served this year in any area, Janine and I just want to say thank you. And we just would like you all just raise your hands. We're going to pray a prayer of blessing because we understand that the Lord is true to his word. God doesn't see anything. He is not mocked. Whatever a man sows, you will reap. God will never be in debt to anybody. And he always honors faithfulness. Amen. And so really, what does it mean to wash someone's feet? It's, for example, I'll be walking through the building and I'll see a paper lying on the floor. I don't say, who is the cleaner today? Where's, why is this not being picked up? I'll go and pick up that paper because it needs to be done right now. And I'm the nearest one to the paper. And I'm not so important that I'm not the cleaner. We're all equal in the kingdom of God, children of God. And I'll pick up that paper and take it to a bin. What have I done? I have washed the feet of Jesus. You're getting this. And so just, that's what he means. Is Whatever you see done, it's the equivalent of washing feet. Because someone else could have done it, should have done it, didn't do it. But I'm going to do it. Because I'm here now and I can serve today. And so thank you. So just raise your hands. Let me pray over you. Father, I just thank you for each and every person that has dedicated their lives to serving you, serving your kingdom. We don't do it as unto man. We are serving you. And I thank you, Father. You see each and every one. You saw them even when I did not. And you always, always honor faithfulness. And so I'm asking, for a special miracle, a special blessing, that they will know you appreciate them. And I release that blessing in the name 
of Jesus. It's our reasonable service. And we give ourselves to serve you. Whatever's needed, we will do it. And we thank you for this privilege of serving and honoring you. In Jesus' name, I call you blessed. Say amen. Give Jesus praise. Did you receive something, family? Let's stand together. Lay your hand on your heart. Say, Father, thank you for saving me. You've called me to service. To your service. And today, once again, I rededicate my life to honor you by serving you wherever I see it's necessary. Thank you for the great gift of your life. Today, I rise with my entire family as a church, one body dedicated to this community to bring the gospel of Jesus Christ that those that have not heard, that they would hear and come to know you as their Lord and Savior. It doesn't matter what I do. It all contributes to the success of your body preaching the gospel of Jesus Christ. Thank you, Father. I receive your blessing. Thank you for the gifts that you've placed within me. I dedicate them to your service in Jesus' name. Amen.